Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Mark Hook. Mark is the Global Director of PR and Communications at Bright Pearl, the operations platform for brands and retailers. In this episode, we talk about building towards PR moments, what role PR plays for startups in the broader marketing mix, and whether or not your SaaS startup should have an agency on retainer. In this episode, you'll hear Mark talk a lot about the role and purpose of PR, and the need to get ahead of what those expectations are before the campaign starts. I have the same exact conversations when I talk with brands about their audience strategies. Too often, brands create podcasts without first understanding the business case. It's a quote-unquote thought leadership exercise. They don't define and get alignment on what success means before they start the creative and production process. Here's the thing. Half of all podcasts don't get 100 downloads, and the show ends up stalling out as a result of that. And it isn't because the content isn't good. It's because the audience development of podcasts on Apple and Spotify is absurdly hard, and downloads don't give you actionable insights into your listener. There's just so much friction from promotion of the content to consumption to whatever the desired outcome is for the listener. Mark talks about how thought leadership content is a value add to your existing customers. It's not a lead gen exercise. Your thought leadership audio content should live where you do thought leadership. Venly is an audio platform that is built for enterprise. Share your thought leadership audio content directly to your email, LinkedIn, blogs, and PDFs, all in players that look and feel like your brand. For internal use, share the content privately and securely to channels like Slack, all with robust listener insights. Curious about how audio can play a role in your Marcom strategies? Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the great Mark Hook. Hi, Mark. Hello, how's it going? Mark Hook is a PR leader with 11 years experience devising and implementing global PR, branding, and communication strategies for major brands. Mark has worked at agency and in-house positions across a range of sectors, including B2B, tech, consumer, and health. An expert in utilizing storytelling to build a brand and passionate about creating and delivering PR and communications campaigns, which drive tangible ROI, Mark has worked with a diverse range of companies, from sex toys to enterprise software. He's now at Bright Pearl, a retail management system where he manages brand, corporate communications, PR, social content, and campaigns as part of a wider brand marketing remit. When we connected a couple weeks ago to talk about what we might discuss in this podcast, you neglected to share your past experience in sex toys. Um, I did, yes. Um, I, I worked for a brand. Are you familiar with... Um... With the space? <laughs> no. <laughs> and even if I am, I'm not going to admit that on this podcast. <laughs> um, so I, I worked for about about a year for a, a company called um, Love Honey. Um, it was really really interesting. So they they were growing in the in the US space. So um, so they brought me on board with a kind of having that background of of US PR and, and global PR to to help them to help them in that area. It was really interesting. If you had shared that with me beforehand, some of the questions that follow might have been more informed by that. When we connected before, you shared with me a belief that SaaS brands understand SEO and paid tactics, but that they don't really understand how to effectively use PR. Why do you think that is? And what's your pitch to SaaS startups to invest in PR? Yeah, so I look, I think it comes back to like a misunderstanding or, or even a misalignment on on the value of PR. I think 
PR itself can be an invaluable tool as part of the overall marketing mix. But I, and I, I wonder to, to myself if it's if it's PR itself that has you know agencies that really are failing at communicating what that value is. So in a way that leaders of businesses you know really understand, okay, we we get what product marketing is, we get what SEO does. I, I still sometimes think that PR is judged on. KPIs or, or on objectives that it will struggle to always achieve. That most primarily being customer acquisition and um, and lead generation. And if that is your single barometer for success with PR, then you're almost you're setting you know you're setting yourself up for fail. And that should never be the reason you do PR as a brand. And that's very hard to, to educate companies on. Um, don't do PR for, lead, for for customer acquisition or for lead gen, but use it as a tool as you would within your marketing mix. So I think it comes back to this, if you broaden your remit for success and you can convince others in the business to do the same, then it becomes an activity that complements your overall marketing efforts. And I think that's that's typically what I try to, to do when it, when it comes to a pitch to businesses. I say, you know, like if you're looking at PR and you just want to spend 50k on PR and get that exact ROI in terms of either the amount of press coverage or or more often than not, um, you know, leads, then you're going to end up disappointed and you're going to end up invariably questioning whether to scale back on the whole activity. If you look at it as being another sort of weapon in your, your marketing arsenal that can help feed the lead funnel at different points, whether that's the initial awareness, so helping to elevate the brand through press coverage, whether it's using that content and coverage as a consideration tactic. So for example, use case studies, coverage on your customers that kind of help you to outline uh, the success of your customers, what you're doing to solve the problems they have, what your platform, what your product is doing to solve the problems they have and how it's different to other providers. That's a great use of PR. And then using it using PR as a retention tool. So awareness, consideration, and a retention tool, which no one ever really thinks of doing, but customers want to know that they're using best and breed solutions. They want to feel that they have made a, a smart choice by investing in your product. Help them do that by sharing all the, the coverage that you've got with those customers. You know, By sharing your thought leadership, by doing so, you're, you will help to reinforce their view, which they want you to do, that they've picked the right platform to go with, the thought leader in your business. And if you, and if you can kind of do that, if you can take, and you, you know, I've not said, you know, PR for coverage sake, if you can use the pitch and you can convince businesses to use it for different ways, so awareness, consideration, retention, that's how PR becomes much more of a useful activity for businesses rather than just, okay, we're using it for this one thing, which is often, I said, customer acquisition, and it's the wrong way to look at it. What you're talking about, I think, is really about how do you build internal alignment and how do you mm-hmm. set expectations for a PR campaign? How do you do that, right? Because you can get a ton of coverage that doesn't result in sales. And in that scenario, the executives might view the campaign as a failure, even if all the KPIs were achieved. So what are some best practices as far as getting ahead of that doomsday scenario where you did everything right, but everyone's still disappointed in the end? 
I think firstly you've got to clearly articulate PR as a top of the funnel activity. You know, if you're if you <laughs> your KPI should never for a PR campaign, like a specific PR campaign, should never be around conversion. It should never be around how many sales we're going to make, particularly as a SaaS business. Like it's it, that that's the wrong way to look at it. So I think if you straight from the off, straight from the bat, you should be building alignment on what those KPIs and those expectations are. If they want to do a lead gen activity, do a lead gen campaign, a brand, and and I always say, uh, look at a PR campaign. Don't even refer to it as a PR campaign, refer to it as a brand awareness campaign and have, build out your KPIs around that. So whether that we want to get uh, so many links coming back into site, we want to increase traffic this much over, you know, as a result of the campaign. We want this many hits of coverage. Um, this average domain authority. So, the amount of coverage we want to make sure that uh, you know forty percent of it is on tier one media, earned media value, registrations, downloads. There's plenty of ways you can build out robust measurement around a PR campaign that doesn't need to talk to customer acquisition. There are other tools and other campaigns you can you can other levers you can pull for that brand awareness should be viewed on its own merits and with its own specific KPIs against it so it's that really it's setting expectation from from the outset um and if look if the understanding is leads are going to be really important then don't just do a PR a standalone PR brand awareness campaign build PR build a brand awareness program into a larger campaign that has many different touch points, lead gen being obviously the the main activity and PR just becomes one of those touch points as part of a larger campaign. Yeah. You said something a a moment ago, which I think is really, really smart. And I want to sort of zoom in a little bit on it, which is that thought leadership is frequently viewed as a top of funnel exercise that might drive, you know, KPIs like sales, right? Somewhere farther down the funnel. But what you just said was actually thought leadership is a way to like super serve your existing customers to let them know that they're with the best in breed. And if you can measure, if you have a freemium product, for example, and you can measure people being upsold as a result of this thought leadership content into a paid tier or a higher paid tier, right? That becomes, I think, a very important part of the communications mix that is harder to measure, but like it's sort of the 80-20 rule in practice, right? Like your best customers are maybe already with you, but how can you continue to feed them? Yeah, and and exactly, exactly that. And when I when we're talking about PR and and, and again, the, the, the value it has, it's, it's hard to measure, but... As a grow as a business, a growing SaaS business, you're not just looking to acquire new customers. You're probably looking to hire the best talent, get some more investment, serve your existing customer base. If thought leadership, PR coverage all helps in those areas, massively so. You like to think about quote unquote PR moments and planning an integrated communications approach around those moments. What are examples of PR moments and what are some of the best practices that you've developed in building towards those type of events? I would say to I would say to teams, think about developing campaigns or themes around a specific topic. Um, 
one one umbrella theme that all of your your content marketing your social media your pr your lead gen activities can support that and then you'll have multiple touch points as a longer say three to, to six month campaign that can add more value than one of those activities will do by itself and your pr moments become much more valuable as a result i'll try and um, add a little bit more context to that we did um gosh, a couple of years back now uh, in, in my agency life, I was working for a fancy dress company and they had an event that was coming up and it was about about six months out. They were sponsoring the event and they wanted to do something, again, that had a, a PR moment to it. And we could, have, we, we could have done something singular at the event that might have given us a nice bit of coverage and then it would have been forgotten about. But what we wanted to do is say, let's let's build something here. That's not just a one and done. Let's build something that that yes, our tent pole, our, our big it builds to our big PR moment at the end, but we actually get a ton of value. So we wanted we ended up deciding on doing a Guinness Book of Record, a Guinness World Record, I should say, for the most super people in one place at a festival. So we knew we had to get like a thousand people there at this festival dressed as, as a Superman. So uh, we set up a registration page. We asked everyone, you know, make sure you you, you sign up. And I think they uh, first hundred people got the uh, their costume uh, free. But it allowed us to do a lot of social media, do a lot of content marketing around that. We drove registrations, one of the main KPIs. We drove social engagement, another main KPI. Um, and that was all leading up to the event. Media relations in advance of that around the record, what we were planning to do, gave us loads of touch points and outputs to, to engage with the customer base outside of just PR. Um, then we had the event itself. Lots of, you know, we managed to get a thousand people there. Had an, you know, you can imagine what the visuals were like. We we've got some great photographer. We've got a video, a video, a videographer down. Huge amounts of coverage, but then we were able to leverage that coverage for more customer communications, for more social media, for more content marketing, for more blogs and thought leadership around that afterwards. So it wasn't just a one and done event. We were able to build out four or five months worth of activity across our channels. Um, that yes, PR kind of led. I guess, but it wasn't, it was a real huge success for the, for the entire team. And we broke a world record as well. Pretty good. Yeah. I guess my, my point is if you think just getting coverage is enough, it's often not. And I think that's the problem you run in, you, you kind of run into. And, and a lot is that's often what I hear from brands. And I was speaking to a brand recently that said, you know, Mark, we've got a load of coverage and it just didn't really do anything. And I was like, well, what were you working towards? You know, did the agency just get you some coverage and pop to the pub? Like, what was the coverage working towards? You know, was it was it part of a longer activity? Were you trying to, did you have an event in mind? Did you have something? What, what were you doing? It's like, well, no, nothing. If you don't have a plan in mind and that coverage isn't building and trying to support something, there's no point in doing it. Should SaaS startups have a PR agency on retainer? Like, how have you navigated that? You've been on the agency side also in, in your career. So at what point do you think a startup needs to investigate an AOR? Um, it's, it's a tricky question. So I, I would say as a startup, you're probably not going to have enough content that is going to justify a retained relationship. There's probably, it's hard to say as a PR pro, but you, 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 there's probably more value putting your, your marketing cash elsewhere. 
it, I think at that point, it is about leads rather than brand awareness. Um, and that's primarily where you're going to get your most value from PR. So if you're not, if you don't have an established identity yet, you don't really know what your brand is, what your voice is. I wouldn't necessarily bring in a PR agency until you have that worked out. That said, I have my own views on retained relationships with agencies. And, and I'm not sure even as you grow in scale, you should necessarily have an agency on retainer. I think try trial an agency and there's many good ones that will work with you on a project basis. And often working on a project basis or a campaign basis for three to six months where you can have fully fleshed out KPIs and a singular project is, is a better way to work with an agency because you're probably going to get the most creativity out of them. You have an endpoint, you know exactly what you're working to, and then you can evaluate it. I think it's very hard as a smaller growing business to have enough for the agency to go on for you know months and months and months on end. Um, you're much better working in that basis, particularly until you're a relatively established SaaS business. So maybe a little bit of a funny question, but how mm. different is pitching US media from the British media? Is it but, like uh, versioning of the same story or does it need to be a totally different brand exercise to get a US media placement versus uh, a UK media placement? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny question. It's, um, look, I, f for me, a, a good story is a good story. Like a good story has, always will have similar elements like bad news, topicality, human interest. It's always going to have that that element. And you can look at any story in the press today and it will have one of those and, and whether we're in the US or the UK. That said, culturally, the media landscape is different. So in the UK, for example, we're a lot more sensationalist. There's a lot more Daily Mail type stories. And the US, you, you need to take a different approach. Like it's a little bit more serious, a little bit more weighty and tactically the US media likes feature-led stories. They like infographics, they like videos. That doesn't typically work in the UK and Australia and other European regions where they like a press release. They're like a short, condensed press release. So you have tactical execution that, that needs to be that needs to be different. And, and listeners will probably be like, well, that, what does that mean? Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll try and give an example that at, adds a little bit more context, like a real world example. And I'm going to go back to the sex toy company to do so. <laughs> so, um, so we launched a, a sex, <laughs> go, go on. I'm relieved that we returned back to the sex toy. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so um, we wanted to launch a sex map in, in the UK and, and, the, and the US and, and Australia. And, and this sex map basically said, you know, what were the most raunchiest towns in 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 the UK and, and states in the US and what products sold the most and, and that that sort of stuff. So the way you do that in the UK, very simple. You go with the, you know, the most raunchiest town, the raunchiest towns, the most non-raunchiest towns. You can put that in a press release. We use some influencer marketing. So we found that we have a in, in the UK, big, big fan of reality TV show, you know, Geordie Shore and Made in Chelsea and, and Love Island. Um, and we used some of those influencers that came from the, the most raunchiest town and we got them to put a post up and that got uh, 150,000 shares and likes. Huge, I mean, we got huge coverage off of that influencer sharing that story. So um, so that worked incredibly well, like you know, sex and sensationalism in the UK. That wasn't 
wasn't a tactic that was necessarily going to work in the US. In fact, it wouldn't. So what we did in the US is we took a much more serious approach to it, where we looked around the trends and how, how those were different in states, pulled together a report. And then we got a, a bunch of, you know, experts in the space, you know, um, so we call them experts, but they, they were you know, wellness experts that could actually talk a lot more articulately, a lot more seriously about the topic and why it was really important and, and why certain states were not as open as, as other states. And, you know, there was plenty then you could talk around and you could lead and you could kind of lean into the political side of it as well. So, so we did that. So we had a report, we gave media access to that report, the data and the expert interviews. And again, that led us to be able to secure lots of great coverage. We did the same idea. We just had to tactically execute it. And it all comes back to just understanding your audience, whether that's your customer audience or whether it's understanding the the media audience that you're talking to. If you can do that, then you can take a story and hopefully amend it in a way that will work. We're going to end this interview on sex toys. (laughs) It's the only place to end it. I'm joined today by Mark Hook. This was an awesome conversation. I'm grateful to you for taking the time and for your wisdom today. No, that's absolutely fine. Thank you for having me. A special thanks again to Mark for joining me today. If you like this episode, you'll love the next conversation with Elizabeth Klisser. Elizabeth is the Director of Communications and Experience at SMS Assist. Thanks again for listening. And until next time with Elizabeth.